Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of the Pardes Parsha podcast features Rabbi Amirit Rosen and Rabbi Alicia Anshilovitz on Parshat Beshalach. For the latest episode of the Parsha podcast, please visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, Rabbis Amirit Rosen and Alicia Anshilovitz. Good morning, Rabbi Amarit Rosen, our teacher of Introduction to the Siddur. Good morning, Rabbi Elisha Anshelovitz, our teacher on Halakha as Practical Philosophy. We're gathered here today to discuss Parshat B'Shalach, the weekly Torah portion of B'Shalach. And you told me, Amirit, that you'd like to discuss Shirat Hayam, the Song of the Sea. Yes, I would love to discuss the graphics of Shiratayam, the Song of the Sea, just to tell our listeners that usually the Torah is written like prose, like a, a story, sentence after sentence after sentence. But in the Song of the Sea, as a song, as a poem, it's graphically written in a special way. This is called in Hebrew, one brick is written above and below two half bricks, meaning that a sentence is written and then afterwards two sentences below the one sentence and then again another sentence and then another two sentences, like a brick wall. When so, we have... I'm sorry. So just to, just to check that I understand you, in other words, what you're describing is that phenomenon in poetry where the poet may break up a sentence in order to and intentionally place them on two separate lines. So here you will have a sentence finishing on a line, then an empty space, then a new sentence starting and finishing on the next line, but then you'll have a full sentence in the middle of a line, or at least a phrase in the middle of a line. No, that wasn't clear. I wasn't being helpful. Let's try that one more time. You, a poet breaks up breaks up a, a sentence sometimes instead of keeping them on one line. And here what we have is, let's imagine every sentence is broken into two, just to keep it simple for a moment. And you will have a, a, uh, a middle of a line will be a, will be a full fragment. And each end of the line will be, the left side of the line will be the beginning of a new fragment. And then the right side of the line will be the end of a fragment. So it ends up looking like a brick wall Exactly. So in that way, it looks like a brick wall where one sentence is a full brick placed upon two parts underneath. And this graphic style, like when we think of a poem on a page where there is a lot of blank space, where we see a lot of the white mm. page. Right. So also in the Torah, this form of poetry is written where then we see a lot of blank spacing. We see a lot of the white parchment in between the sentences written in this style. And, and what does that do for us? <laughs> and a lot of beautiful midrashim uh, and beautiful Hasidic ideas have been given to the fact that we can see so much of the white parchment, that we have these blank spaces 
in between the sentences of the Song of the Sea. I'll remind our listeners that um, the Song of the Sea, it's just now, we've just had the opening of the Red Sea, the children of Israel have come through the Red Sea. Mm. The, this is the final end of um, the persecution of the children of Israel by the Egyptians. And now as they pass through the Red Sea, they are truly free and are truly saved from the slavery of Egypt. The Sfatimit, Rabbi Yehuda Ariel Leib Alter, which was the Hasidic Rebbe of the Ger Hasidim mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. end of the 19th century. He writes that the graphic display of the Song of the Sea, those graphics are actually a visual way to show that sense of freedom. Because when we are truly free, we have a moment to breathe. We have a moment to breathe, a moment to reflect upon our lives. And he says that in fact, the visual graphics, these blank spaces is a way to express visually that sense of freedom that we can also attain for ourselves. He's creating an awareness within us that what does it mean to be in a sense of freedom? What does it mean to experience freedom? It is actually the opportunity to breathe in between sentences, the opportunity to reflect upon what is happening. He actually takes this idea from the Midrash in Sifra Vaikra that explains why in between paragraphs in the Torah, we have um, sometimes some spacing. And the Sifra in Vaikra, written generations before, generations before the Hasidic idea that um, Yudaria Leib brings us, says, why is the Torah written in paragraphs where there is some spacing? In order to allow Moses to reflect upon the writing of the Torah, upon the meaning of the Torah. And so Rabbi Udariya Leib, the Hasidic Rabbi, takes this idea and develops it on Shiratayam and says, wow, the ability to reflect, the ability to breathe, this is expressed within the song of the sea, expressing that full, expressing that full redemption, where we can have a moment to, out of the, the rat race of life, when we come out of the rat race of life, where we have no moment to stop, no moment to breathe, a full sense of freedom is when we have that moment to breathe and to reflect. So... Let me let me make sure let me reflect this back to make sure I understand. So in that moment when we read the inspirational story of redemption, that's when we can take out the moment to have the blank spaces. And then we can actually ourselves become free because we can reflect in those blank spaces 
that can be created because we're reading about redemption and then we truly redeem ourselves further in our own lives. Am I understanding it correctly? Exactly. This is the the Sfatimet, Reb Arya, that we've been talking about him. He's also known as the Sfatimet, named after his book. Yes, his whole um, understanding of the Torah is that it's a cyclic reflection. We reflect upon the Torah that reflects upon us. So when we see these graphics of the spacings of the Song of the Sea, and when we have a moment to visually look at the spacing, we are um, understanding that redemption is that space for space, that ability (laughs) to have that moment to breathe and reflect, and then we internalize that for ourselves. Nice, nice. But as you know, I'm a little more, how do I, let's call this, mechkerish, meaning I care more about um, how things were meant to be used originally. So when I look at it, sex of the way Shirat Payam is broken up, clearly something is going on, that's as you're saying, I'm going to start the message. Um, but based on um, the fact that it's song, and based on the fact that it has Miriam at the end saying, um, I would suspect that there's supposed to be some type of refrain going on, meaning less that I'm, all readers are supposed to be able to read the Sefer Torah, which used to be very expensive and maybe one copy per village, but rather they're supposed to hear it a certain way, recite it a certain way. Um, kind of like Miriam responding, Ashira Lashem Kigoga, I will, uh, telling the people, sorry, to sing to Shira uh, Lashem, sing to God because God has been glorious. Um, in fact, there's a medrash that says that. We're going to uh, return back to different midrashim. Um, this medrash is in Masechet Sotah, Chakrit Sotah, Daflamid Amun Bet, 30b, where there is a debate between um, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi uh, Yossi Aglili, um and Rabbi Nechemia, but Rabbi Akiva says, When they came out of the sea, they decided that they would sing praise. Interesting for you, Natsnu Enehem is a phrase of paying attention, but it's also very visual, but I'm not going there. So, um, so Kesat Shira, right? How do they sing? Like when a a a, a gadol, meaning somebody of, of, of respect, right, is singing, and everybody else starts responding the beginning of the refrains, Rashi Prakim, with him. So Moshe says, Asher Hashem, Asher Hashem. Moshe says, Giga which are the next two words there in the Torah, and everybody keeps singing, Asher Hashem, kind of like, kind of like a harmony background, okay? Asher Hashem, Asher Hashem, Giga Asher Hashem, that's Rabbi Kippa's model. And Rabbi Eliezer says, uh, Rabbi Eliezer, I'm sorry, Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Rabbi Eliezer, he says, um, The breakup is actually that they said every word that Moshe said. So Moshe said, Asher Lashem, they say Asher Lashem. <laughs> Moshe says, Kigoga, they say Kigoga. Right? Um, so I'm not going to go exactly with Rabbi Yosei, um, Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Rabbi Yosei, because it because it is broken up, Ashira Lashem Kigoga, not Ashira Lashem and then Kigoga. Right? And the Septuagint also breaks it up that way. So 
But I'm going to go with the idea that he's saying, which is, no, what he is, you break it up into phrases. Everybody hears a phrase and they can repeat the phrase, which on a like very practical level, you say short phrases so everybody can remember the, the five words they heard and they can sing them. If I sing 10 words, they're not going to remember all the words. Okay. But now, but, but, but what's the point of this Midrash? Like, that's just, you know, two ways of singing songs in, I don't know what, in Big Knesset. Great. But, but borrowing from you, because you are talking about what the inspirational message is here, they both raise possible ways of thinking of how to pause in singing. In other words, one form of singing is there is a, the, 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 the chazan, whoever they may be, is leading. And then we are all responding with the first words, let's say. So it's easy words that we remember, and it provides a beautiful, harmonious sound. Okay. And the second way is we're, you know, repeating the words of the chazan. So we also sing along. But there's always a pause. And I think that pause allows for something. Um, <clears throat> I use a different word than reflection. I'd say internalization. Whether I'm repeating the same words, but I already heard them and now I'm repeating them, or I'm hearing the words, but I'm repeating set, you know, the first words of the phrase. And there's mm -hmm. an ability there to, to just kind of not so much reflect as internalize an experience. Mm, yes, maybe when one is repeating, maybe one doesn't need to even understand all the words of the poem that is being said, but one can really take part in that refrain, in that repetitive sentence, and then internalize the actual experience. Right, right, yeah, thank you, yes. Thank you, that's what I meant, thank you. Um, wait, so wait, 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 okay, so wait, but where does this take us? I mean, you introduced mm -hmm. the Svadamets, but and 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 where and what so i i feel very grounded by what you said because i feel that um the maybe metaphorical ideas at first have been grounded also in the uh maybe what we could call the original intent and the historical intent um but also in the actual um understanding how we uh, internalize um, song, prayer, study. And what I feel that I am learning from this is in fact how internalization of, um, of knowledge, whether through repeating, maybe through or, or through having, either through repeating it, or if we're speaking on the visual level of having a moment to reflect, because when we are studying constantly and have no opportunity to repeat what we've studied or to pause for a second to eternalize. In those white spaces. In those white spaces, the knowledge is less accessible to us. We can maybe feel it as we're looking constantly at our WhatsApp messages. But wait a moment, what was I doing a moment ago? What was I doing a moment ago? When we're in this constant rat race and movement, it's hard for us to even internalize what we've done a moment ago, let alone what we've studied. But when we have an opportunity either to repeat through the refrain of the song, or to pause a moment and to reflect, then the knowledge or experience is more accessible to us. Then maybe 
when the knowledge is more internalized, when we can reflect upon what we've studied, then, then maybe we can use it in a more creative way in our lives. We can learn from the past and from our history, reflect upon it, and then think, what are the components? How can we use the, 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 our different understandings to respond with creativity to our current situation? Maybe that is what freedom really allows us, what that moment to breathe, what that moment to reflect allows us. We all know that actually our sense of creativity is dulled when we feel that we're in constant stress, when we have no room to breathe. Actually, our creativity is enhanced when we have a moment to internalize, to reflect upon what we've studied, what we've learned. So I'm going to push a little bit to something I think you're indicating to make sure. If I understand correctly, not only does our freedom allow us to become creative, but in a sense, one of the measurements of how free we are is our ability to be creative. Now, it's not freedom allows us to be creative, but freedom is being creative, or part of being free is being creative. Am I understanding you correctly? An expression of freedom. Right, sorry. An expression of freedom is an ability to be creative. And I would say that the Svatimet and maybe what we've spoken about internalization, when we internalize, when we have a, a moment to reflect, to internalize, then the knowledge is accessible to us and we have a moment to also be creative. So in that, the Svatimit is saying that the graphics of the Song of the Sea, where there are blank spaces to breathe, or in what you told us about actually being, um, the song being said as a refrain, and in that an internalization of the experience of the song, of what the song is coming to tell us, <laughs> that internalization allows for um, to, to be creative with our study. So as somebody who went to the more prosaic side of we repeat the same words or maybe the beginning of the refrain, which is not very creative, right? I'm going to go in a kind of along those, that same direction of, I guess when I mean this and I'm thinking about internalization as, as somebody who reads a lot, but also sings. Um, Internalization, I'd push in a different direction, that the real freedom comes from not be, not from being creative, but from the humility of internalizing all these, everything that comes along the way, contradictory truths. It's just everything, just internalizing it, not reflecting on it, just internalizing it so that when I come to real life situations, I have the humility of knowing I can't just create. I need to somehow nuancedly respond, respond to like life's challenges. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a different type of freedom. It's not the freedom of creating. It's the freedom of, of responsibility to just be in it, like kind of in the singing, in the experience, and then try to respond with all these contradictory things that one has just internalized and one hasn't reflected about, upon, but they just come up now when the challenge in life arises. Does that make so sense? I want to... <laughs> sure. Yes. 
yes, I, I want to enhance the word nuance. Okay. I think maybe um, we both share the importance we see in nuance. But if I understand you correctly, you are talking about the nuance to really internalize truths and also contradicting truths um, from our past, from the past of our um, sages, from our ancestors. And then through that to have maybe a more nuanced understanding of our reality and being able to um, being able to use the tools that the past have given us to respond in the in the best way to um, to the challenges of our lives. Have I understood you correctly? Yes, yes. I I would say um, it's the freedom to accept that all we can do is ameliorate. And you have a very, if I'm understanding correctly, you have a, 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 a kind of a different vision of what a, a, your powerful freedom, my powerful freedom is powerful to be humble, whatever you want to call it, you know, powerful to be limited. And yours is like, is, is, is the power of weight. Why are you assuming the possible is always going to be the necessary, right? The impossible can overcome the possible, right? That's the creative power of this of this reflective cold mama daka, that space, that it's that lavan, that's just quiet space that'll, and allows the impossible, what we seems impossible, I'm sorry, to overcome the possible. Well, I would say, yes, I I would say that the blank space, the white, is what I would call the kol dmamadaka, that very uh, slight and very quiet sound of God, because we are told in the story about Elijah the prophet, that the sound, the presence of God is not always in what has been said, is not in the sentences that are being said, but in fact, it's the sound that is between the lines sometimes. It's the nuance, that very delicate sound. And in order to tap in to maybe what hasn't been uttered yet, one needs that space of quietness, that blank space. And maybe that is the opportunity to allow the impossible. That is to give maybe words, new words that maybe are also have been, uh, that we bring from the wells of the past, that which we draw upon, but maybe also through that find um, new expressions from that well to be able to say a shira chadasha, a new song that um, we are told in the in our morning prayers when we say that shira chadasha shibchu geulim, when those that were um, taken out of Egypt sang the song of the sea. So the Midrash says that this is actually a new song in each and every one of us that can be sang, again, drawing from the wells of the past, but allowing us maybe also to create new songs within the blank spaces, within the spaces that allow for breath and um, 
giving space to new things to arise. So if I understand correctly, what a surprise. We're two part A teachers who don't fully agree with each other. <laughs> and, but we do, but we do agree that actually this this whole layout of the of short time is about nuance. And one of us is me. Let's say it's all about the nuance of of the power, if you will, of actually not trying to be powerful, but rather a certain type of humility and then working to ameliorate. And one of us is all about no, let the power through the humility of being quiet, allow us to actually overcome. Right? So that's beautiful. That's part A's. That's what we do. Um, yes. I think that it's lovely to share humility and nuance together with you, Alicia, and wonderful how we can share um, our different approaches to life where I feel that you are focusing on the the tools and the knowledge of the past and how in our humbleness we learn to nuance through that knowledge and I talk about maybe the roots and the groundedness that the past can give us in our um, personal and uh, ability for change and creativity in our current lives. Yes. Yes. So hopefully, hopefully we've fulfilled your goal and our podcast has provided the listeners with some grounds and roots so they could take this in either of these directions or some other third creative direction. Thank you very much, Amirit. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Elisha. It was a pleasure and looking forward to many fruitful discussions together, both in disagreement and in agreement. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episodes of the Pardes Parsha podcast.